0: Today on Hardwired. Hope can actually bring a certain frustration when you really wanna let go and fall off the face of the earth and just give up. But hope just will not let you do it. In the face of terrible odds when no one would place his bets on you, hope always does. When you are down for the count and everyone else has walked away, hope doesn't. Hope is a stubborn friend You are listening to
1: Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. It's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and hear about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference as it's hardwired into your life, your relationships, and your future. You may be stuck in traffic or maybe even stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help you get on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. And if for any reason you have to break away before the end of the program, you can always catch it at our website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. So let's go ahead and get right into today's message. Here's Pastor Jeff
0: to set it up for us. Hello everybody and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us and for making us a part of your very busy day. Well, this is the final installment on my brief series that I've called Diamonds of Hope, because you know you can live without a lot of things, but you can't live, not really live, without hope. Hope is the oxygen of the soul. And so in today's message, we're gonna talk about how God is a restoring God. You know, the devil says this to us, when we've made a mistake, when we have failed, when we've experienced a real setback in life, he says it's over. You've failed, you messed up, God's done with you, he's finished with you, you might as well just fade into the horizon and go away. But the devil's a liar, every time, because our God is a restoring God. And you know what, if I didn't believe that, I don't think I would ever preach again. But I do believe it, so grab your Bibles and something to write with, and let's dive right into this hope-filled message. Our God is a restoring God. Let's go. All right, we're going to begin a brand new series that I'm calling Diamonds of Hope for Your Darkest Days. Diamonds of Hope for Your Darkest Days. Going to be ministering on the subject of hope. You know, the Bible says that our God is a God of hope. He's not a God of hopelessness. He's a God of hopefulness. And I got to tell you, I need hope to survive. And I want to read uh, out of Jeremiah chapter 31 and verses 18 through 21. And then let's just talk about the first aspect of hope that we want to deal with, and that is no matter what you're experiencing, where you've been, what has happened to you, what you feel like right now, if you're in your darkest hour, if it looks like there is no hope, our God is a restoring God, and He's a God of hope. So we're going to talk about the God of who restores. Jeremiah 31, verse 18 says, I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself. You have chastised me, and I was chastised, like an untrained bull. Restore me, Ephraim prays, and I will return. For you are the Lord my God. Surely after my turning, I repented. And after I was instructed, I struck myself on the thigh. I was ashamed, yes. Even humiliated, because I bore the reproach of my youth. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a pleasant child? God asks. For though I spoke against him, I earnestly remember him still. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, says the Lord. Set up signposts. Now, this is what God is saying to Ephraim. Set up signposts. Make landmarks. Set your heart toward the highway, the way in which you went in the past. Turn back, O virgin of Israel, turn back to these your cities. Now, in just a moment, we're going to deal with what was taking place in the history of Ephraim and how our God is a restoring God. But, you know, I believe so much in hope that I've written about hope. And I want to just delve into, just for a little bit, the book that I wrote last, The Windshield is Bigger Than the Rearview Mirror. And I have a little section here that I called Prisoners of Hope. And I want to read a little bit of this to you because this really speaks my heart about hope more than anything I can think of at the moment. I write this, I have a confession to make. I am a prisoner of hope. I did not always know this the way I do now. It took some deep valleys, harsh trials, fiery ovens, and long seasons of groping in the dark to reveal that I am a hope junkie at heart. There were times I wish it were not so, times when hope seemed almost to be a foe. Hope can actually bring a certain frustration when you really wanna let go and fall off the face of the earth and just give up. But hope just will not let you do it. In the face of terrible odds when no one would place his bets on you, hope always does. When you are down for the count and everyone else has walked away, hope doesn't. Hope is a stubborn friend. In Psalms 27, verse 13, David writes about the tenacity of hope. He says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. When you're in a pit and you see no way out, hope whispers, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Don't put up the white flag just yet, hope cries. The writer of Hebrews calls hope the anchor of our soul. The anchor that hope drops into the waters of turmoil is its undying belief in the goodness of the Lord. Hope believes that the yet unseen hand of God is working for our good and we will rejoice in his plan when we see it. Hope is the most hopeful optimist on earth. It keeps us sane and steady in times of trial. When you see someone filled with optimism, bet on it, you can track the source of their optimism to hope. Optimism is hope's child. Hope looks beyond the darkness of today and always sees a brighter tomorrow. It expects the Almighty to intrude into the nightmares of life by turning things around in a way that makes you dance and shout with joy. I, for one, cannot live without hope. I am telling you the truth. I would rather set up shop in a cardboard box on a downtown street corner than live without hope. I cannot fathom a life not graced with the hope of hope. A hopeless life is one of undiluted hell. And that again is a quote out of my book, The Windshield is Bigger Than the Rearview Mirror. And I read that to you today because I want us to Just begin to get a grip and a feel for the power and the necessity of hope. We can live without a lot of things, but you and I cannot live without hope. Hope is like spiritual oxygen. Now the verses that I read out of Jeremiah chapter 31 are referring to the northern tribes of Israel who Jeremiah calls Ephraim. Ephraim is going into exile because of their sins. They've made some big mistakes, and finally God has said, I can't take anymore, I've got to chastise you. Their sins have filled the cup, so to speak. And Ephraim has backslidden from God worse than any of the others, as a matter of fact. Even while being carried into exile, God, through Jeremiah, predicts their restoration. And this was deeply touching to me. Because here they are being carried off in a Babylonian captivity for 70 years because of sin in their life. They've really blown it. They've missed out on the promises of God. They've squandered His grace. They've walked away from His blessing. They have sinned in full face of bright light. And even while they're being taken away, God speaks to them. And I want to take this text and show you what God's heart towards the backslider, the strayer, the prodigal son, that one who feels like you've made too many mistakes. And that's why I'm calling this series, Diamonds of Hope for Your Darkest Days. Because, you know, it's a dark day when you realize you've gotten away from God It's a dark day when you realize that somehow, step-by-step, inch-by-inch, incrementally, over time, you've gone down that slippery slope of walking away from God, and you wake up and you realize, oh no, I've made terrible, terrible mistakes. And I think that when we fail, failure has a way of running a number on you like nothing else can. I can think of many things that take place in a person's life that causes them to stray, to walk away from God. I used to wonder about this, but over time, over many, many years, I've seen that there are usually a few things that cause somebody like Ephraim, like some of you listening to me right now, to walk away from God. Here's a few of them. An offense they don't handle scripturally. You know, the Bible talks about the power of an offense. The Bible talks about the root of bitterness. It talks about if we don't deal with an offense, an offense will deal with us. The word offense means to stumble, to trip, to fall. Somebody says something, somebody does something, we get hurt, and that hurt begins to fester. And that hurt begins to eventually take us away from our fellowship with God and our fellowship with the church and we don't handle that offense scripturally, we don't forgive, we don't go to the person and make it right. And when we do that, when we behave that way, that offense has the power to take us away from God. As a matter of fact, an offense can be the door that we open into a very, very dark world. I've learned this about the enemy. The enemy never really shows you what he's got in mind. You never really see what's on the other side of a sin. Only once you've committed it and walked in it, do you begin to see what that sin had attached to it. And this is what an offense can do. So, an offense can lead people away from God. Lust for other things regularly leads people away from God. We make like the prodigal son and we say, well, you know what? There's got to be something better over there. There's got to be something for me in the far country. I've always found it interesting that Jesus called the land where the prodigal son went the far country, because when you get away from God, it's a far away place. It's the far country. And that prodigal son believed that he was missing out on life. The lust for other things drew him away, and he walked away from God. Busyness can pull us away from focusing on God, just being busy. You know, Jesus said to Mary and Martha, he looked at them and he saw that Mary was accustomed to listening to his word. She sat at his feet. She soaked in what he said. But Martha was busy and anxious and filled with stress about many things. And Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about so many things. But Mary has chosen the good part the part that shall not be taken away from her. Though Jesus was sitting right in their living room, Martha missed the words of Jesus because of busyness. And I think many of us, just trying to pay the bills, just trying to make ends meet, taking care of the kids, taking care of that 401k, getting all the shopping done, just trying to make it from nine to five or eight to five. We come home, we eat our dinner, we turn on the TV, watch a little bit of Jay Leno and go to bed. And busyness chokes us away from God.
1: Pastor Jeff will be back in a moment, but first I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Now, you may not be able to stay with us for the entire program, But don't worry, you can find the program at our website, hardwired.org, along with all the programs from Pastor Jeff. Also, we regularly get emails and calls from listeners just like you who tell us how much the program means to them. But we would love to hear from you too. So let me encourage you to connect with us by calling 877-884-3111 or through the website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org, or call 877-884-3111. And now let's get back to Pastor Jeff with the rest
0: of today's program. I think another thing that takes people away from God is deception, just pure, good old, undiluted deception. Deception, the worship of some other God, the pursuit of some other thing that we come to believe is superior to seeking God an offense, lust for other things, busyness, deception, and the list goes on. These things take us away from God, and these things are what got hold of Ephraim, lust for other things, deception, the worship of false idols, offenses, and their sin finally caused God to judge them. And now they're being carried away into Babylon. And the first thing that I see in this is there are consequences to departing from God. I'm not going to linger on this long, but I just want us to file it away in the back of our minds there's consequences to departing from God. Ephraim is going into exile. Three words come to mind when I look at this. First, they were experiencing loss. You know, I've noticed something. When you obey God, there's always a gain. You always gain. You always gain something. You gain peace. You gain joy. You gain some blessing that God brings into your life. When you obey God, you cannot go wrong. It's a win win situation. It's a win win decision. When you obey God, you gain. But invariably, when we sin, we lose. There is loss. We lose peace. We lose spiritual miles. We lose joy. We lose our reputations. There's always a loss. And here is Ephraim being carried away to Babylon. They've lost their homeland. They've lost their homes. They had lost, many of them, their families. Such loss, such terrible loss that Jeremiah, watching them being carried away into Babylon, wept rivers of tears. And he wrote about it in the book of Lamentations. Not only loss, though, but pain, pain. Because any time we sin, Pain is always the result. It might be emotional pain, might be physical pain. But whatever way it manifests, you can never separate sin from pain. Ephraim was under God's chastisement. They were about to go and be under the tyranny of a foreign government, a foreign people, a foreign land. And they were in for some heartbreak. And then the third thing is regret. There is always regret following sin. God says, I heard Ephraim bemoaning himself. Regret. Oh, the regret that comes from sin. There is always regret. We think that we're biting into something that is worth having, just like Eve did, that first forbidden fruit. But oh, the regret. There's always loss. There's always pain. And there's always regret with sin. There was a high price for low living every single time. But you know, I also see here in this story that this is the good news, and this is why I'm sharing on hope, because even in failure, even in loss, even in pain, and even in multiplied regret, the God of grace, the God of mercy is always stepping into the scene. The Bible says, where sin abounds, there you can find grace much more abounding, I see God's heart in this. That God is a restoring, merciful God. Listen to what he says to Ephraim as they are carried away in chains. I earnestly remember him still. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, says the Lord. And I want you to know, even if you have failed God, even if you have walked away and maybe you're listening right now by radio, And you're driving in your car, stuck in rush hour traffic, but also stuck within yourself, within consequences for sin. I want you to know that God remembers you still. His heart yearns for you right now. And he wants to have mercy on you. And I know what I'm talking about because I've been there. It reminds me of the story of the prodigal son that we've already mentioned. Listen to what it says. Quote, Jesus is teaching now. He says this, his father saw him from a great ways away and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Do you see with me that the father, rather than being turned away from him, turning his back to him, scowling at him, walking away disapprovingly, no, 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 no. The father's eyes were peeled on the distant horizon, looking far, far away for any sign at all of the return of his son. And when he saw him, you know, it just takes one step, just one step of turning back to God. And God sees that one step. That's why there is hope in failure. That's why there is hope in your darkest hour, because God is a restoring God. Ephraim could have said, there's no hope for me. Look what we've done. We sin so badly that God has had to send us into captivity. There's no future at all for us. But that's not what we see. Something sparked in the heart of Ephraim. It was hope. Hope was ignited in their heart. And they looked up because you couldn't pray this way unless you believed there was hope. And Ephraim prays, restore me and I will return. Ephraim realizes what anybody realizes who's been in a difficult spot. Only the grace of God can bring about change in our lives. You know, folks, there are some needles only God can thread. There are some situations only God can fix. And one of them is a soul that needs to be restored back to him. There you've got to turn yourself over to the divine surgeon whose scalpel is the Holy Spirit, who operates on our soul with the Word of God. And he'll go in and fix what we could never fix. Ephraim has realized our condition is bleak. We've walked away from God. But I'm believing that God can do what I can't do. God can restore me. He says, if you do what I can't do, bring change to my heart, and I'll do what I can do. I will return. You know, that's a great proposition. And God says that to you and me. Whenever we find ourselves far away from God, God says to us, you do what you can do, and that is you can return. And I'll do what I can do and what only I can do. And I'm going to bring change to your heart. You know, can I just tell you today, there's some things only God can do. Because you didn't know what you were going to get into when you began to walk away from God. You thought you were getting something great. It glittered. It glistened. It called to you. It held great promise. But now, just like Eve, now that you've bitten the fruit, you realize that what you thought was something appealing, something worthy of your effort and your attention has turned out to have behind it all kinds of excess baggage. It's like the story of Jake. Jake was struggling through Grand Central Station in New York City with two huge and obviously heavy suitcases when a stranger walked up to him and asked, Hey, have you got the time? Jake sighed, put down his suitcases and glanced at his wrists. It's a quarter to six, he said. Hey, that's a pretty fancy watch you've got, exclaimed the stranger. Jake brightened a little. Yeah, it's not bad. Check this out. And he showed the man a time zone display, not just for every time zone in the world, but for the 86 largest cities. Jake hit a few buttons, and from somewhere on the watch, a voice said, in a very Texas accent, the time is 11 till 6. (laughs) A few more buttons in the same voice said something in Japanese. Jake continued, I've put in regional accents for every city. The stranger notices that the display is unbelievably high quality, and the voice is astounding. He is struck dumb with admiration, not believing what he's seeing and hearing. Well, that's not all, Jake says. He pushes a few more buttons, and a tiny but very high-resolution map of New York City appears on the display. The flashing dot shows our location by satellite positioning, explains Jake to the stranger. Jake then says, view, receive 10 and the display changes to show Eastern New York State. The stranger blarks out, I want to buy this watch. Oh, no, it's not ready for sale yet. I'm still working out the bugs, said Jake, the inventor. But look at this, and he proceeds to demonstrate that the watch is also a very good little FM radio receiver with a digital tuner, a sonar device that can measure distances up to 125 meters, a pager with thermal paper printout, and most impressive of all, the capacity for voice recordings of up to 300 standard size books. Though I only have 32 of my favorites in there so far, says Jake with a twinkle in his eye. I've got to have this watch, said the stranger. No, you don't understand. It's not ready. I'll give you $1,000 for it. No, 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 no. I've already spent more than that on it myself, says Jake. I'll give you $5,000 for it. But it's just not. I'll give you $15,000 for it. And the stranger pulled out his checkbook. Jake stops to think. He's only put about 8500 into materials and development, and with 15000 he can make another one and have it ready for the stores in only six months. The stranger frantically finishes writing the check and waves it in front of him. Here it is, ready to hand to you here and now, $15,000, take it or leave it, Jake. Jake abruptly makes his decision, okay, he says, okay, okay, and peels off the watch. They make the exchange, and the stranger starts happily away across the crowded lobby of Grand Central Station. Hey, wait a minute, cries Jake after the stranger, who turns around warily. Jake points to the two huge, heavy suitcases he'd been trying to wrestle through the train station and yells, don't forget your batteries. (laughs) (laughs) And isn't that exactly the way sin is sometimes?
1: You've been listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Require, It would mean the world to us to know how the program has helped you today. So take a quick minute and give us a call. 877-884-3111. Or you can connect with us at our website, hardwired.org. And if you enjoy the program as much as we love bringing it to you, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. There are daily costs associated with the program and we truly do depend on the faithful financial support of our listeners like you to allow us to be on this station. So please, consider partnering with us today with your gifts to this ministry. You can call us at 877-884-3111 or go to the website, hardwired.org. Again, call 877-884-3111 or at our website, hardwired.org. Thank you for your loyal partnership, as we couldn't do this without you. And finally, Pastor Jeff is the founder and senior pastor of the vibrant Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're ever in the area, we hope you'll stop by and say hi. and Let us know that you listened to the program. That would really make our day. And Pastor Jeff would love to meet you personally too. So till next time, have a great day. And thanks so much for listening to Hardwired.